Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the Hancock County Solid Waste Management District resumes collection of household hazardous waste beginning this month. Time for a refresher on the proper way to dispose of those potentially dangerous materials you may have lying around. Also this morning, the nature of oaks. With lawn and landscape care at the top of everyone's mind this time of year, one entomologist says, we're not planting enough oak trees and our backyard ecosystem is suffering as a result. And chili dogs, nachos, ice cream, we have perfect recipes for the warmer weather from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, April 9th, 2021. Today is National Cherish an Antique Day. Cherish an Antique Day. I saw a story on the uh, on the newswire in Florida. There's a beach of, in Florida uh, where they had to recently clear the beach uh, due to what appeared to be a mine, a a you know, an explosive mine that had washed up uh, on the shore. The dis- device washed up on the shore near Lauderdale by the sea. Uh, I guess about a week ago, this happened. I saw this on the uh, newswire Broward County Sheriff's office. Uh, deputy discovered it during a patrol and secured the area. Uh, the mine had the word inert labeled on it, <laughs> but just in case the bomb squad was called in, it turned out the sea mine was eventually declared safe and removed from the beach. It was a military training, military uh, naval training mine. Uh, but <laughs> they were not cherishing that antique uh, on the beach. Anyway, I just saw that conjunction with National Cherish and Antique Day. It is National Dive Bar Day today. How appropriate that that would fall on a Friday. National Former Prisoner of War Recognition Day. Very serious observation. It is uh, in conjunction with the start of the Bataan Death March, uh, World War II, National Former Prisoner of War Recognition Day. A very solemn observance. National Gin and Tonic Day and National Unicorn Day today. So all kinds of reasons to celebrate. So you heard the story the other day in the news about the what was it? The Ohio restaurant owner who sued the Ohio Department of Health uh, because their was it their food license or their liquor license or something had been revoked because people weren't following the mask mandates. And so they sued and the court uh, agreed with the restaurant that uh, the imposition of uh, mask mandates uh, went uh, beyond the scope of the department and uh, ordered the license reinstated. Here is another case of uh, pushback on some of these uh, health mandates in conjunction with the uh, coronavirus. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced yesterday that his state has filed a lawsuit against the federal government over its continued no-sale order for cruise ships. Uh, He is demanding that cruises out of U.S. ports be allowed to immediately resume. Florida has three of the world's busiest cruise ship ports, and the industry generates billions of dollars for the economy and employs tens of thousands of state residents in Florida. And uh, Governor DeSantis said yesterday that the no-sale order is outdated 
charging that there is very little evidence, very little data that allowing cruises uh, leads to super spreader uh, events. Now, back at the beginning of the pandemic, several coronavirus outbreaks uh, were traced back to uh, cruise ships around the world. However, uh, cruising in other countries has resumed. As a matter of fact, in much of the world, cruises have resumed with uh with no new, the industry leaders say there have been no new COVID out, uh, COVID nineteen outbreaks uh, tied to their ships. So they have taken the proper precautions, and they know how to uh, make sure that. And especially with uh, vaccines being available, a lot of the cruise uh, lines now requiring vaccinations uh, for in order to uh, let people on their ships and requiring vaccinations for staff and and so on. And so with all of that, they say there's no reason why uh, cruises should not resume from the U.S. The CDC, though, is is holding out. Uh, Cruising has been uh, prohibited uh, from U.S. ports since March of 2020, so more than a year. And uh, definitely a story worth following. See where that goes next. Uh, A couple of other uh, interesting stories among the first things you need to know, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. I saw this study, a report on this study out of Canada, and I thought to myself, well, this is interesting. If you are a man, it says here, if you are a man who identifies as a feminist, then you might be having more sex compared to men who do not consider themselves feminists. (laughs) I saw that and I thought to myself, well, duh, (laughs) you can file that under the category of duh. A small study in Canada found that about 22% of men who were polled identified themselves as feminists. 60% did not. And 18% said that they were not sure. Uh, generally a male feminist is described as a man who seeks to establish equal opportunities for women in a range of social relations, uh, generally done through a strategic leveraging of male privilege. That's how they, so with that definition, 18% was like, I have no idea. Uh, but 22%, uh, said they were 60% said that they were not. And they found that those who were, uh, were, uh, uh, having more sex uh, compared to non-feminists. So <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, we could have probably predicted that. But then my next thought that crossed my mind in this is how anti-feminist is that study? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, think about it. If they're, if they're trying to figure out how many uh, men are feminists and then judging that by how much sex they're getting doesn't that go ex- to the exact opposite of the point of you know treating women equally and you know what i mean you understand what i'm going with this it just seems like an odd an odd study all the way around oh that was weird <clears throat> and a couple of other uh, things here Among the first things that you need to know, this is crazy. Michigan family uh, says they recently found a perfectly preserved letter 
hidden under the floorboards of their home. It is dated 1886. Eric Airhorn and his wife were renovating a house in Munica, Michigan, that they had purchased a couple, three years ago. And as they were pulling up the floorboards, they discovered a letter addressed to Mr. Spencer. It was written by a Mr. Charles Warren, who asked Mr. Spencer to consider purchasing his land. A 160-acre parcel described as having trout-filled streams running through it and good timber. Uh, They actually did some research. Online records show Mr. Spencer spent the rest of his life at the property in Nunica until he was buried in 1919. Uh, The Airhorns uh, also discovered that uh, Mr. Spencer's ancestors had owned the same land decades prior. Uh, So really interesting stuff here. Uh, He says the letter gave him a look into what what life was like in West Michigan more than a century ago. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever come across something in maybe renovating a home or you move into a new house or whatever? Uh, You come across something like that? That is just really crazy. Love stories like that. And uh, how about this? Here is something to think about as you get your day started. Where this is one of those, if you think you're having a bad day, then consider this. The New York State Department of of Environmental Conservation. New York State Department of Environmental Conservation. uh, They say officers were dispatched to the home of a woman in Erie County, New York, after she discovered a wild turkey had crashed through one of the upstairs windows of her home. The woman was able to confine the bird to an upstairs bathroom uh, before officials arrived, and two officers, wildlife officers, were able to pin down the turkey and use a fishing net to remove it from the home The turkey did not appear to be seriously injured and was released back into the wild, but obviously some uh, damage to the uh, woman's home. And I'm thinking to myself, now that is a bad day. That's no matter how, no matter what happens to you to start off your day, if you have not had a wild turkey crash through your bathroom window, (laughs) then all things considered, it's probably going to be a good day. (laughs) You know what I mean? It could be much, much worse. So just something to keep in mind uh, if it seems like you're having a bad day. Uh, Kind of put things into perspective. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for mostly sunny skies today with a high 75, partly cloudy tonight and a low 55. Hancock County has the highest occurrence of COVID-19 cases in the state based on population, according to the Ohio Department of Health. The latest data released by the state shows that Hancock County had a case count of 255 over the last two weeks. That equates to a rate of 336.5 cases per 100,000 people. Lucas County currently has the second highest occurrence of cases and Putnam County the 12th highest. Get information on scheduling a vaccination on our website. The head of the Ohio Department of Transportation with a reminder for drivers as more and more orange barrels start popping up. Highway construction season is well underway across Ohio and ODOT Director Jack Marchbanks is imploring drivers to pay attention in work zones. 
We have men and women who go out in live traffic every day, risking their lives to improve the system for the citizens of Ohio. We owe them the dignity, the responsibility to pay attention when we're driving while they're working. He reminds drivers that Ohio's move over law requires them to move over for any roadside vehicles with flashing lights. That's our Matt Demchek reporting. Get more on the state's move over law and road construction projects planned for this year on our website. Two people were arrested after a drug task force raided a house in Faustoria. The task force says suspected methamphetamine, criminal tools, cash, and other items indicative of drug trafficking were found in the residence. Seneca County Sheriff Fred Stevens says he's pleased to see that the hard work of the task force once again produced stellar results, saying, quote, I will continue to say it until the dealers hear me loud and clear. We will not let you ruin our county with the poison you are trying to peddle to our citizens. Unquote. Get more on our website. This year's Ohio State Fair won't be open to the public. Officials with the Ohio Expositions Commission say that they're concerned for the health of fairgoers, as well as the cost of implementing COVID-19 safety protocols. They say that the fair will focus instead on agricultural and educational competitions. Livestock shows will begin on July 19th and last until August 8th. For WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. And now to our cover story this morning. The Hancock County Solid Waste Management District is resuming collection of household hazardous waste beginning this month. Solid Waste Management District Director Courtney Comstock is with us uh, on the line this morning. And uh, it is spring cleaning time. So it is, uh, you know, that time of the year when, you know, we want to clear these things out. So the timing uh, obviously is uh, perfect on this. First of all, uh, Courtney, define what is uh, household hazardous waste uh, in that the the types of things that you can collect. The things that uh, we tend to collect are the things that are piling up in your garages and your attics, your paints, your stains, your thinners, aerosols, propane cylinders that are no longer being used, mm, okay. uh, cleaners that have been sitting on your cupboards for a while and you haven't used them. They, they lose their potency, but they still contain the chemicals that would be bad for the environment. Fertilizers, pesticides, and acids, uh, oxidizers, old batteries that, you know, maybe you had to change out the lawnmower battery and you've got it sitting in the corner, getting to be that time of year. So those types of things that tend to pile up at our house and we think we're going to get them taken care of, they're they're too toxic to put into our regular trash right. and put into the landfill, but we want to be able to, to help dispose of those things properly. And that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about uh, this morning is uh, maybe get a bit of a refresher on the proper way to dispose of all of those potentially dangerous dangerous materials that you may have lying around. Sometimes, uh, in the case of some of those, uh, I would imagine people may not even recognize them as hazardous necessarily or as hazardous as they actually are, but all of those are things that you can't just toss out with your regular trash. That is correct. Most of the items, um, again, they contain different chemicals and oxidizers. Um, and, you know, you've got antifreeze sweeteners. It's bad to the animals. So when you leave that stuff sitting out and about, not only does it seep into our soils, but it also can affect our wildlife and habitat. So we provide this option for household residents to dispose of their materials 
safely and efficiently. A lot of things can be processed and made into something new. We collect the old mercury thermometers. That mercury is pretty dangerous. So we collect those so that it can be repurposed or reused. Uh, and if it cannot be repurposed or reused, we properly take care of disposing it by hiring a third-party contractor to dispose of those items. Now, there there are certain times when folks can dispose of those what is that it just at litter landing the events are held at litter landing in okay. the back turnaround area at the recycling center okay and it's on mondays from 10 a.m to 1 p.m and the first event is this upcoming monday right so we're going to run it most of the summer uh it runs through august excluding i think there's a couple holidays in there that mm. uh you know the government Makes sense. uh closes down yep yep but otherwise we'll be here every monday with the third party contractor from 10 a.m to 1 p.m so um again house proof of residency is usually uh asked for okay which is just a driver's license right it's nothing too big um however we cannot accept from businesses or re- uh contractors and the the larger agencies because this is this is a pretty expensive event that we try and host so we try and limit it down to about 10 gallons per person hopefully you're not storing an entire you yeah. know selection of paint supplies in your basement exactly. but you know we'll try and deal with it if we can and so uh so again the the first uh point of emphasis is that you can't just uh, come by any time to drop these off it's it's monday uh what uh, you said 10 to 1 mondays on uh, from 10 that to 1 that is correct yeah. so Yeah, Litter Landing does not have a hazmat license, so we're not able to collect those items. So if you cannot make it from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on a Monday, uh, you need to make arrangements. We'll connect you with our third-party contractor. However, there may be fees involved with that. But we contract out so that you have one central location at Litter Landing to coordinate that uh, proper recycling and disposal yeah, within uh, within that time frame, uh, and then when you drop off your stuff or when you uh, load it up to take it over to Litter Landing, are there any precautions uh, that that you need to take uh, in order to transport that uh, that stuff? Or uh, you know, if we do the wrong thing, is it going to be a situation where hey, we can't take it? For the most part, we just don't want you to combine or condense your chemicals. You never know after times of sitting around what is going to become toxic when combined Mm -hmm. and or, you know, possibly explosive when combined. Yeah. So you just want to leave your items in their original containers, uh, bring as, you know, whatever can fit in your trunk or whatnot. We are still trying to practice the social distancing. So please just stay in your vehicle, pop your trunk. The staff will go ahead and take care of emptying things out. Uh, If you want your containers back, we have some people that like to reuse their cardboard boxes. That's fine. Uh, Otherwise, we'll go ahead and process the recyclable containers here at the facility. Okay, so uh, again, just a reminder about household hazardous waste collection beginning Monday and uh, happening Mondays uh, through the uh, bulk of the, well, through the entire spring and bulk of summer. Uh, You've got more information on all of this at your website, of course. Talk a little bit about some of the other uh, things real quickly that uh, folks will encounter again, because this is spring cleanup season and uh, folks may have uh, appliances, electronics and that kind of thing. What are the best ways to get rid of those items? 
A lot of those items that you just listed, the appliances and the electronics, they are collected at Litter Landing on the regular. We source them out to a third-party contractor to make sure that the parts are stripped and uh, properly recycled. So on the north side of the building at Litter Landing, you can dispose and or recycle any of your computer program products, appliances, we accept those. Of course, your everyday household recyclables. There is an information sheet available at Litter Landing or online or on our Facebook page that gives you the detailed information of what is actually recyclable in Hancock County. The contamination, it slows us down in processing. We want to be as efficient as possible to keep this debris out of our landfills and continue to grow as a community. All right, very good. So uh, make sure you check out all of those resources uh, at their website, which we have linked up at ours at goodmornings.net. And again, the uh, Household Hazardous Waste Collection beginning on Monday. More details about that uh, on the webpage as well. Courtney Comstock with the Hancock County Solid Waste Management District with us this morning. Courtney, thanks for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Happy spring cleaning. Well, I have to say, when this book crossed my desk, I was immediately interested. Uh, Douglas W. Tallamy is uh, author of The Nature of Oaks. He is an entomologist and longtime professor at the University of Delaware. Uh, Doug, I've got to start with the obvious question. Why a book all about oak trees? I wanted to write a book about you, Chris. <laughs> all right, the real answer. You know, we're the the uh, the push these days is to create landscapes where we humans are, which is pretty much everywhere, that are contributing to local ecosystems rather than detracting from them. And the short answer is, oaks do that better than any other tree genus in the entire country. There are four things that every landscape needs to do. They need to support pollinators. They need to support a food web that that supports all the other uh, life forms. They need to sequester carbon and they need to manage the watershed. Oaks are the best tree genus at three out of four of those. They're not the best at supporting pollinators because they're wind pollinated, but otherwise they're making the most food for our birds. They're making the most food for our mammals. They're sequestering the most carbon. They've got huge root systems that manage our watershed the best. So that's why oaks. Well, that's, and that's what I was going to ask. What is it about oak trees in particular that they, in your words, support more life forms than any other North American tree? Well, uh, for example, when we have birds breeding in our yard, most of them, well, 96% of them are rearing their young on insects, and most of those insects are caterpillars. Well, oaks support more than 950 species of caterpillars in the United States. Where I live, it's, it's 557 species. And there's no other tree, tree genus that comes close to that. We need so many caterpillars because it takes so many caterpillars to make a single nest of birds. Uh, you know, close to 10,000 caterpillars to make one clutch of chickadees. So if you don't have the plants making that many caterpillars, you don't have breeding birds. And, and our headlines are, are, are showing that. We've lost 3 billion birds in the last 50 years. So um, why do they support more, more caterpillars than other, other species? There's several hypotheses, but uh, <laughs> it's probably more than we need to go into at this point. <laughs> I think the important point is they, 
they do support more, and yeah. that's what we need to focus on. Uh, obviously, one of the main objections that many people have to planting oak trees is the fact that they become so huge in most cases. I mean, in anything but the biggest yards or open fields, they can take over one's backyard. Well, a large species can. You're absolutely right. The good news is we have a number of small species that, that most people don't know about. I've got a list, uh, you know, two columns long of, of species of oaks that are small trees, shrubs, or even ground covers. Now, many of those are in the West, but in the East, we have something like the, the dwarf chestnut oak, Quercus prinoides. Uh, we've got uh, some of the small oaks and pine barrens. We've got uh, a dwarf live oak, a dwarf version of, of Quercus virginianum. So there are small oak options. We just don't, don't use them the way we should. It is interesting because when we talk about oak trees, I mean, I think most people will think the red oaks, the the white oaks, and that's pretty much it. And and you say there are <laughs> awful lot of uh, varieties that we could be planting. And uh, are they pretty hardy? I mean, I, again, uh, some trees grow better in some climates and some uh, areas than others, as uh, any uh, gardener knows some plants uh, do better. All kinds of plants do better in some environments than others. Are they pretty hardy uh, across the board? Well, it's like any other plant. You need to put the right plant in the right place. Mm -hmm. We have 91 species of oaks in this country, and there are oaks that do everything. There are oaks that like acid soils. There are oaks that like basic soils. There are oaks that like rocky outcrops and oaks that like bottomlands. Um, there are oaks that do well in the north and oaks that do well in the south. So you do have to pick the right oak. But all, but, uh, but through there all is of them, an oak for all places. But through and through all of them, they all support uh, all of these other uh, forms. Like all do do these uh, greater good, uh, kind of in the same way. Yes. Yes. So the other objection. Uh, it comes during the fall when oak leaves tend to be more difficult to dispose of. They don't break down as quickly as the fallen leaves of other trees. Right. And that's, that's what's special about them. Um, our soils, we've got more species of, of organisms that live in the soil, live below the ground than mm -hmm. above the ground. But they all need to be protected by a layer of leaf litter. We have this idea that you got to rake up all the leaves and get rid of them, and that dries out our soils. It subjects them to erosion, uh, and it's very hard on all that that uh, the creatures that live in the soil that are essential for transferring nutrients down to our plant roots. So the fact that oak leaves last, a single oak leaf can last up to three years before it's completely broken down, makes them the ideal mulch, the ideal ground cover, uh, because they're not going to disappear. Maple leaves and cherry leaves and willow leaves, they're gone before the end of the summer. Then you've got bare soil. So, As a sidebar, that's actually uh, an argument uh, against raking your leaves in the fall. So I'm going to store that back in my, <laughs> in my knowledge base. So something to keep in mind as an excuse for when I don't want to do that. And, and they also, you point out these leaves also, uh, are they more nutrient dense for uh, those who uh, mulch them up and, and as they do break down to help enrich the, sto the soil? Well, not really. You know, you... You have a given amount of nutrients on your property, and it cycles. 
So it's pulled up by the plants, the plant roots, and put into leaves each year. Then those leaves fall down to the soil and then return to the soil, and then it's pulled up again. When you throw the leaves out, you are throwing out the nutrients that um, the tree needs to, to pull up each year. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than throw away the nutrients and then fertilize your tree, which is very difficult to get that right, just leave the natural cycle going. Now, I understand you can't have leaves on the, 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 on your lawn because it's, it's going to kill your lawn. But I'm, I'm recommending that we cut the area of lawn we have in half. And that's where you can help put, put these trees. Uh, because lawn doesn't accomplish any of the four things that I just mentioned. Uh, and we've got mm. more than 40 million acres of it. So, yeah. so move the leaves off the area of the lawn you're going to keep uh, and put them in your flower bed. And you don't want four feet of leaves in your flower beds, but a natural layer of leaves in your flower beds uh, is a, the perfect uh, mulch for those flower beds. And um, your plants will grow right right through them. Everybody thinks mm. you have to have all the leaves gone or your, so, your plants won't make it, but that's, that's not the case. So kind of uh, rethinking landscape in general. Uh, are there predators to oak trees i mean we've had the emerald ash borer in this part of the country for example there have been uh, other trees as well that have been wiped out by pests and disease what are the threats to oak trees the threats to oak trees are, are um, they come in two forms they come in introduced insects and introduced diseases so things like the sudden oak decks oak deaths sudden Oak death syndrome in the West is a huge problem. We've got oak wilt uh, in the Midwest. We've got uh, oak leaf scorch in the East. Um, and all of these are, are relatively new diseases that are attacking our, our oaks. And of course, we've got introduced insects like the gypsy moth that have been plaguing oaks for a century. But these are, you know, they're essentially uh, man made problems mm-hmm. that are causing. Huge, huge issues with our oaks and, and, you know, many of our other trees that we bring in these these problems. Is that one of the uh, other messages of the books is to encourage people to uh, plant these to sort of get ahead of uh, some of the, the things that are killing off the oaks that we have? Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. I hear foresters and other people say, well, they've got these diseases, so don't plant them. I say just the opposite. Plant them more than ever because what we're looking for are resistant genotypes. And if we stop planting them or if we cut them all down, we're never yeah. going to find those resistant genotypes. That's what we did with the American chestnut. We brought the chestnut blight in and then the loggers said, well, you know, they're all going to die and they cut them all down. So there were one or two percent that, that had some resistance and we lost that because we, we cut them down rather than looking for the ones that didn't die. Yeah, And that's what we need to do with our ashes. It's what we need to do with, with all of these diseases that are clobbering our, our forest trees. Again, uh, Douglas uh, Tallamy is author of The Nature of Oaks, uh, entomologist, longtime professor at the University of Delaware. Really fascinating. Everything you have ever wanted to know about oak trees and then some. Uh, Doug, do you have a website in conjunction with a book we can guide folks to? Yeah, we have a website called Homegrown National Park. Dot org. So that's all one word, homegrownnationalpark.org. And then everything about this book and my other books are there. Plus, it'll tell you how to gr- join Homegrown National Park, which I'm sure you want to do. We will link up to that on our webpage so folks can check that out. Doug, thanks very much for taking the time. Best of luck with the book. Oh, thank you. In case you missed it, earlier this week, we spoke with U.S. Representative Bob Latta 
Uh, not all that long ago, President Biden, of course, unveiled a proposal to spend another $2 trillion plus on infrastructure improvements. Uh, first, it was nearly $2 trillion on uh, virus relief, and now uh, the president wants to spend $2 trillion plus, another $2 trillion plus, on infrastructure using the broadest possible definition of the term. On Monday's program, uh, Representative Latta shared his reaction. Everyone agrees that there are some infrastructure projects that have been uh, long overdue for upgrades, roads, bridges, water systems, the power right. grid needs to be upgraded. So what among the president's proposals in this bill could you support? Well, you know what they ought to do is just come out with a true infrastructure piece of legislation and don't include all this Green New Deal, these trillions of dollars on top of it to get a piece of legislation through. And I know that the Republicans on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee have said that, look, we and we all know it, know those things have to be done. And, you know, local government can't do those types of projects. But, but Republicans have said, look, we'll work with the Democrats on getting a, a piece of legislation together to deal with infrastructure. But what they're doing is they're putting all of these other things in it. And then they put this, in, you know, uh, an infrastructure name on a bill or, or COVID on a bill and make the American people think, oh, my gosh, we're going to spend all this money to fix up our roads and bridges and everything are going to be great. But you're looking at one of the massive uh, spending uh, bills out there, and then you're also going to have to have one of the largest tax increases in history to pay for it. President Trump had pledged uh, during his time in office to address uh, infrastructure needs, uh, again, things that had been uh, long overdue, and that never materialized during uh, during his term. Isn't it uh, fair to say that there is blame on both sides for ignoring this for too long? Well, and you know, if you look back uh, on anything, you know, you're always in a situation where you know the president had uh, the Democrats in uh, the second half of his administration controlling the House of Representatives. It would be very difficult to get anything through, and so because pretty much you know, again, this is what they want to put in. They want to put a lot of non-infrastructure in there. And years ago, when I was on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, you know, we did some checking, and uh, you, you know, take it every dollar that you pay in tax for uh, gasoline that, uh, you know, 20, 29 to 30 some percent is being siphoned off, not going to roads and bridges. If we could just get that money back, we'd be in great shape uh, instead of just you know, having this money used for everything else that uh, it shouldn't be used for. So, you know, it, the, the big question comes a lot of times, of course, is, okay, how are you going to pay for it? But uh, right off the bat, that you know, what they're looking at is putting this into a, a package that's $2.3 trillion and is 5% of it actually going for roads and bridges. There's something wrong. When, when we're talking about the definition of infrastructure, what about the proposal to expand broadband internet access? Should that in this day and age be considered a, a part of an infrastructure improvement plan? Well, and, you know, that's a great question because, you know, uh, I'm the ranker on the telecommunications subcommittee in energy and commerce. Mm -hmm. And what the Democrats have wrote out is, you know, talking about spending, you know, up to a hundred billion dollars. And what we're really concerned about, uh, with the Democrat plan is number one, uh, that I've been an advocate and I had legislation that's been signed into law to make sure that the Federal Communications Commission has accurate maps out there so they know exactly where to spend the money. They haven't, they have not completed those maps yet. 
And then at the same time, what we don't want to see is that the uh, Democrats go out and start giving money to uh, different companies that will then go uh, compete against uh, companies that are, have already been out there trying to deliver the infrastructure for broadband. And all of a sudden you've got, uh, you know, taxpayer money going to compete against those people that have been out there working right now to get it delivered. And we need to really make sure that we're getting into the unserved areas first and not the underserved areas. Our part of our conversation earlier this week with uh, Representative Bob Latta uh, on the president's proposal to spend $2 trillion plus on infrastructure improvements. If you want to hear the full interview with uh, Representative uh, Latta, with Congressman Latta, you can uh, find that in the Good Mornings podcast edition. Go to our webpage, goodmornings.net, and scroll back down to Monday's program, and it can be heard there. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update, the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Police in Arizona responded Wednesday after they got a call about two tractor-trailer rigs colliding on Interstate 10 near Broadway Road. Uh, I think this is uh, around uh, Phoenix, Phoenix area. What makes this uh, a candidate for the broken news is what happened next. The Arizona Department of Public Safety says one man wearing one sock, boxers, and a t-shirt jumped from the moving semi and ran down the shoulder while taking his clothes off. (laughs) The responding trooper was able to catch up with the man and take him into custody before he hurt himself or others. Uh, The Department of Public Safety says the suspect told the trooper he had hitched a ride on the semi without the driver's knowledge. He also says he pounded on the driver's back window to tell him he wanted off the truck and uh, may have tried, may, I might have tried to get into the passenger compartment uh, before jumping off. (laughs) I think now perhaps we know what caused the accident. No, no other details were available. Uh, As to why he stripped down, no one knows. Weird. Uh, Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news, and this is something you don't expect to hear uh, happening in Ohio. Police in Cincinnati say they are probing multiple reports of about a half a dozen monkeys on the loose on the west side of the city. Monkeys. Uh, Residents have reported seeing five different monkeys swinging from the trees in St. Joseph's Cemetery in the East uh, East Price Hill area. Uh, As of Wednesday night, they got these reports. One witness captured video that appears to show the animals in the trees, but police say the footage is not clear enough to confirm that the animals are indeed monkeys. Police say that if there are actually monkeys on the loose, They likely escaped from a private citizen because uh, the zoo has not reported any loose monkeys and they have not had any reports of exotic primates missing. Police say anyone who spots monkeys in Cincinnati should keep a safe distance and contact the department. (laughs) You don't have to tell me twice. (laughs) Although sometimes, you know, some of the people in Cincinnati would qualify as monkeys but you know what i'm talking about anyway um 
An elderly Kentucky man right across the river here. An elderly Kentucky man is accused of trying to buy a toddler from his grandmother. Online record show Ronnie Lou Helton is charged with kidnapping of a minor and promoting human trafficking. The 73 the charges sound uh, more uh, like something more happened than actually did. 73-year-old is being held without bail in the Whitley County Detention Center. They say he allegedly tried to snatch a boy from his grandmother's front yard. And when she said, what are you doing? He offered to buy the boy for $1,000. What? Why would you do that? What would make someone uh, just do that randomly? Would you like to sell, sell your grandchild? That's, there are easier ways to get a grandchild, I guess. He didn't have any grandchildren. Maybe he just wanted one. Maybe that's, I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Michigan police say that a home inspector was caught enjoying himself a little too much with an Elmo doll at a customer's house. Kevin Van Leuven was hired to inspect the property of a 22-year-old woman in Oxford Township. However, a web camera apparently caught the man entering the uh, nursery of the home, uh, supposedly to you know inspect as part of the house inspection, sure. But then he ended up uh, <clears throat> getting intimate with the stuffed Sesame Street character. <clears throat> the woman called 911 and officers took the man into custody has been charged with indecent exposure and malicious destruction of po uh, property. <laughs> uh, I can just picture it when they hauled him off. They say, you know, just take the Elmo doll. We don't want it back now. We, we don't want it anymore. <laughs> uh, could face a couple of years in prison if he is convicted. And finally, in the uh, broken news, just in the nick of time, a Michigan man is celebrating after finding his lost lottery ticket. Anil Phillip bought a Powerball ticket on March 14th of last year, right before the pandemic struck. He decided to hold on to the ticket after learning that it had won $150,000 because with everything locked down, it was going to be too difficult to claim the prize. And so he figured it would still be there. Because you've got time to claim the prize, so I'll just wait. But then, of course, you know what happened next. He misplaced the winning ticket. It was found just days before it was set to expire, and he was able to claim his prize. Mr. Phillips says he plans to use the winnings to pay off his student loans. And if I might make a suggestion, maybe buy a safe. That <laughs> Maybe that would be the first thing you need to do. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news, the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. 
We could all use a bit of a breather after the past year that we've all been through, and some U.S. cities offer more respite than others, as it turns out. The lawn care company Lawn Starter sifted through mountains of data. They went to the CDC, uh, the Census Bureau, uh, several other government agencies, as well as statistics from recreational organizations, health groups, and Yelp even, to figure out which American cities are the most relaxed. They looked at 190 of the most populated U.S. cities across seven main categories. Uh, Those categories are mental health, physical health, financial health, work environment, physical environment, and social environment. So they looked at things like hate crimes and divorce rates and the amount of gun violence and just violence in general, that kind of thing. Uh, And they also uh, looked at uh, entertainment opportunities. And the top 10 most relaxed cities in the country, number one on the list, Sunnyvale, California. (laughs) Said it was like Silicon Valley. Sunnyvale, California, which I would imagine is pretty relaxed until you have to pay your rent. (laughs) That would stress you out. But Sunnyvale, California, number one overall. Arlington, Virginia, which is basically a Washington, D.C. suburb, which surprised me because I'm thinking if there's any place <laughs> that's, that's stressed out right now, it's Washington. But Arlington, Virginia, number two on their list. San Francisco was number three, followed by Bellevue, Washington, and Seattle, rounding out the top five. Rest of the top ten, Naperville, Illinois, Garden Grove, California, Fort Collins, Colorado, Fullerton, California, and Honolulu. And I don't know if you've ever been to Honolulu, but those people are relaxed. It's like hang loose is the state motto in in Hawaii. So no surprise to see Honolulu on the list. The bottom 10 cities, the ones that just need to relax, the most stressed out, Augusta, Georgia, St. Louis, Little Rock, Cleveland, Chattanooga, Clarksville, Tennessee, Shreveport, Louisiana, Detroit, next to last, and Kansas City, Kansas, the most stressed out cities in the country. And once again, it is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife, Kyra, as always, joined us in the studio here to uh, finish up the week. And uh, I like what you have done here uh, with these recipes yeah. uh, this week, uh, kind of the idea of, I don't know, just a, a fun, warm yeah. weather. Yeah. I would say like a summertime uh, summertime lunch or something, yeah. weekend lunch, but uh, it's not summertime yet. That's okay. Right. We, we can do that anyway. Yep. Um, and this, this warm weather's gotten me in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You it are was cer- our little trick. <laughs> you are certainly not alone uh, as far as that goes. And uh, so, you know, this would be a good, uh, I don't know, a picnic lunch or, yeah. you know, something in the backyard. Just mm-hmm. something something easy you can do uh, with the uh, kids. Yep. And we start this morning with uh, chili dogs. Yes. Got so we have a homemade hot dog chili sauce. Mm-hmm. So the ingredients uh, for the uh, chili sauce is a pound of ground beef, a cup of minced onion, one clove of garlic, uh, minced, one teaspoon of salt, a cup of water, a cup of ketchup, and two teaspoons of chili powder and a teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce. 
And then you'll also need your hot dogs your and hot your Your hot dogs buns. and your buns, of And any yeah. toppings that you want. Any. You know, whatever, whatever you like on, I mean, other than Vegan. Oh, the okay. chili dog, so, if you like cheese or cheese. mustard or coleslaw or whatever. So anyway. Onions, whatever it might yeah. happen to be. Yeah. So for the, um, so place the ground beef in a large saucepan and cover it, cover it with some water. Um, allow it to sit for a, a few minutes and then use your spatula to kind of break up the meat. Okay. That's how you, that's how the m- ground beef becomes smaller for like chili dogs. You know how when you get the yeah, it's chili, really, yeah, it's really, really fine and yeah. crumbly. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a, a way to do that. I gotcha. Okay. okay. So then um, add your onion, your garlic and cook over medium hill, heat until the meat is no longer pink. I'll cook through, and the onions and that's are not, soft. That's not going to take real long, I would imagine, mm-hmm. since you're crumbling it into yep. really fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't pieces, take long yeah. at all. Okay, um, so you got to watch that real closely, I would yep, imagine. Yep, and and the water staying in there um, is going to help, help with that, that too. too. Yeah, yeah. So so then drain your ground beef and place it back in the saucepan. Add uh, your water, your ketchup, your chili powder, powder, and your Worcestershire sauce. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and salt and stir well. Then bring the mixture to a boil and uh, then reduce the heat and allow it to simmer over low heat for about 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Um, if you want it a little bit thicker, then you can then let it simmer a little bit longer. Okay. The longer you let, let it simmer, the longer, the thicker it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, because the water will... Right. Uh, right. Boil out, yeah. Right. So then, um, um, then with your chili dog sauce, so- uh, is your desired consistency? Then cook on the grill your hot dogs, mm-hmm. or broil them in the oven, or whatever, depending on the weather, and and then uh, top it with your chili dog sauce. And there you go. Bun. Just as simple as that. And whatever else. Yeah, really, really easy yep. uh, hot dog uh, chili sauce, and yep. you can use that really for just about anything. Oh yeah. Uh, but in this yep. case, uh, using it with the hot dogs. Yep. And then to go along with that, uh, potato chip nachos. Yes. So this is I love potato chip nachos. I'll do it with just potato chips and cheese, and I'm fine. <laughs> but but this well, I'm is thinking, a little bit more fancy. I, I, I'm thinking, you know, what you could also do is the is the chili chips. Yes, um, yeah, that's, you've got that the was chili my other sauce. thing I was going to say. Is yeah, you could put the chili sauce on the potato chips if you wanted to do that. Sure, yeah. absolutely. You don't have to put it on hot dogs. But yeah. here you yeah. have uh, a special nacho yeah. sauce. Yeah. I so, guess. So. Yeah. So four ounce of uh, your. Kettle potato chips. And again, you want to use kettle chips. Yes. Because they're, they're thicker. Yeah, and they're thicker and they're not going to get mushy. Right. So, yeah. Uh, four ounces of cheddar cheese shredded, a uh, quarter cup of cooked crumbled bacon, uh, two tablespoons of ranch dressing, and two tablespoons of thinly diced green onions. So, preheat your oven to 350, spread your potato chips across a small sheet pan. Uh, top evenly with your shredded cheese. Scatter the bacon over the cheese. Bake for 8 to 10 minutes until the cheese is completely melted on top of the potato chips. And again, you can stop right there. You can. You've got yes. bacon cheese yep. chips yep. and that's, that's it. Yep. delicious in and of itself. But yep. if you only add the nachos, nope. then... Yep, then remove from the oven and drizzle with your ranch dressing and your green onions and serve immediately. Yeah, or so, again, your uh, chili right. sauce. Or your or, chili sauce you or know, anything that whatever. you like on your nachos. But really easy to do, yes. uh, potato chip nachos mm-hmm. uh, in the oven. Yep. Uh, again, kettle chips being 
the uh, key there yes. uh, on those. Yes, please. And then for dessert, yes. we've got an, an, and again, this is a really easy, easy. Uh, thing to do. Yeah, summertime, yummy. Exactly. Yep. Uh, definitely a warm weather treat, an ice cream sandwich cake. Yes. So the ingredients for this is 24 of your ice cream sandwiches, uh, 16 ounces of whipped topping, um, your hot fudge topping, your Reese's peanut butter topping, and some Reese's Pieces. So layer your uh, 12 of your ice cream sandwiches in the bottom of a 19 uh, by 13 inch dish. Uh, you'll need to cut the last one in half um, to let it to get it to fit in the bottom of the pan. Yeah, if you do um, the measurements then, there. Yeah. Yep. Allow to soften for a few minutes um, and then uh, use a spoon to kind of de- uh, smoosh down those sandwiches just a little bit, kind of okay. smoosh it um, down a little bit because then you're going to have a topping of whipped cream and you're going to have, you're going to drizzle. That'll actually make it a little more solid right. after it refreezes. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then drizzle your both your toppings and then sprinkle with some Reese pieces and then do <laughs> another layer of that. <laughs> what is so funny about I'm my just Reese's thinking pieces. The, the Reese's Pieces just for those times yes. when, those for the times when E.T. is coming over. Yes, yes. You can <laughs> invite ET and have a good little party outside. Mm. So after <laughs> yep. you've done that, you've layered that a couple yep. of times. Yep, done that a couple of times. Then sprinkle with your remaining Reese pieces. Uh, freeze for one to two hours or overnight. If you want to do it overnight, that's fine also. And then uh, to give it a firm uh, yeah, you're just to firm firming it, up, it back up yep. uh-huh, before slicing and then serve. And you slice it just yep. like a cake. Again, and if you've pressed those yep. sa- ice cream sandwiches down when you refreeze, yep. you can slice it just like a cake. Right. So, right. And then one of my secrets is when you're um, when you're slicing it, warm up your, uh, put your knife under some hot water mm. and it'll just go through it like butter. There you go. Yes. So... Uh, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Really, not a whole lot of cooking being done nope, nope. Uh, this this, uh, an easy one. this week yes. uh, with these recipes. But these are ones that you can do with the kids. Yep. Uh, it's there. It's great, especially maybe set this aside and bring it out in you know one of those summertime weekends yes. when you know yep. you've got having great a, weather. Having a cookout in the. Uh, quick cookout with your friends and this is something quick you know what else would uh, would be good you've got like a, a kids pool party or something yeah you know yep. this these are you know great treats so yep. really simple stuff the hot dog chili uh, sauce the chili dogs the potato chip nachos and the ice cream sandwich cake we will have all of those recipes posted on our facebook page on the wfin facebook page and linked up at goodmornings.net. More easy and fun recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much for dropping by. You're welcome. And that will put a wraps on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Of course, coming up Monday, the Findlay Municipal Court is giving those with suspended driving privileges a chance to make it right and get back on the road. It's another DUS Day or Driving Under Suspension Day. Later this month, we'll get all the details. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. Catch you back here next week.